Welcome to Unlearn, where we talk to industry leaders about unlearning how we go to market. I'm Kelly Sarabin, and I run tech partner enablement and advocacy at HubSpot. And I'm Asher Matthew, co-founder of Partnership Leaders. The old ways of going to market are getting more expensive and less effective. To thrive in an era of digital transformation, you have to go to market differently. Let's find out how. Hey, everybody, this is Asher Matthew, and I'm one of the go-to-market executives at Demandbase, and I'm also the co-founder of Partnership Leaders, and I'm thrilled that we could actually do this with some amazing people. And by this, I mean the very first episode of the Unlearn podcast. Uh, But before I go in and tell everybody about what this is, let me first introduce a couple of really amazing people that I have the pleasure of doing this with. So Kelly uh, is from HubSpot, and interestingly, Avadish is also from somewhat from HubSpot and you know he's got a bunch of other things going on but let me pause and give them the floor to introduce themselves so Kelly happy to be here and co-host this with Asher I am a platform ecosystem advocate for HubSpot where I help to grow and engage our ecosystem super Avanish hey uh thank you for having me uh great to see you both uh, so Avanish Sahai, I am a, affiliated with HubSpot as a board member, but I've been in the tech sector way longer than probably both of you t- together. I've uh, been in places like Oracle, McKinsey, some startups, and the last uh, many years at Salesforce, ServiceNow, and uh, most recently Google Cloud. Super. All right, let's do some quick context setting of why we're doing this, right? So for me, um, most people don't know this, but I spend the greater part of the uh, COVID recording 200 episodes of this amazing podcast called the Sunny Side Up pod- uh, Media Podcast, um, and which actually became Demand Basis Podcast and was just voted the number one podcast in B2B marketing. Um, so I was just missing this, the whole like, like, how do I get back into this until Kelly was like, let's start a podcast. So Kelly, give us a little bit of in- uh, intro into like why we're doing this. I think one of the reasons is partnerships, ecosystems, it's in such a great state of innovation. People in the space are excited, they're passionate, we're coming up with new business models, but it's still kind of siloed. So on the one side, you have these older tech companies that are still using a more traditional channel model, but they're open to ecosystems, they're looking to learn, they're looking to make changes. And then for the more modern SaaS companies um, and agencies as well, you also find these silos across departments. So you'll have marketing sales departments that are still approaching it in a very traditional fashion. So I think, Asher, you and I both thought, let's have some more conversations. Let's open the conversation. Let's get out of the echo chamber and let's get thought leaders on here, leaders in the industry who can give their perspective on how we sort of move these conversations forward and also move the business model forward. Yeah, no, totally. And I remember when I went from uh, working for a application company to a data company, I actually had to unlearn everything that I knew about application sales and then relearn everything about sales and like data sales specifically. And so this concept of unlearning really stuck with me. And then as we were going through the journey with Demandbase, like my number one thing to every single person at Demandbase was like, if you say you want to be be a, a uh, data company, you actually have to appreciate being a data company. And by the way, this, this podcast is not about Demandbase. I'm just sharing like live examples uh, around it. But uh, that's the reason why we thought, okay, if we create the Unlearn podcast, it will actually allow us to 
take specific topics, break them down, give the past, present, and the future of the topic, and then you know really give our audience an ability to like learn something new and then apply it, which then brought us magically to Avanish, who actually reached out and said, "Hey, do you guys want to do something around this partner ops thing?" And I'm like, "Absolutely! Like, like it would be great to have somebody who spent." a lot of time scaling partner programs and learning about the history of partner operations and then the present and then where we can go. So Avanish, do you want to tell us a little bit about like why you reached out to us? Hey, yeah. I mean, I think Kelly, um, you sent a great, great background, right? This, we are kind of going into a new mode of operation for the software business, right? I think uh, you hear some of the analysts talk about it as a decade of the ecosystem, you know, Jay McBain from for, from uh, Ken Alice or McKinsey or EY, a lot of a lot of talk out there. But when you kind of go under the under the covers, you realize uh, that hey, yeah, some of it has been done, but has not been done super well. And when I read your you know phenomenal write up, by the way, uh, it's long, so. You know, grab a drink and 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 uh, ninety four pages of light reading and, <laughs> and relatively few pictures. Um, but but again, the content is amazing. I think the insights, both from again practitioners' perspectives and the segmentation by size, by you know kind of stage of company and so on. But what that told me really was, um, you know, broadly the ecosystem's topic needs more. You know. I think more points of view from practitioners needs maybe to be more data centric. There's a lot of education that needs to be done. And I think part of education is the unlearning, you know, that you just described. You, you know, you can call it continuous learning, lifelong learn lifelong learning. Yep. But part of that is, you know, there are ways things have been done that are probably not the right ways to do it. And especially if you think about it from a scale and a future perspective. So I like you said, things just converged. Timing was right. Uh, you know, I'm doing some of my own podcasting as well. And I think it's a great way there is a there's really an appetite for people to hear and discuss and learn more about these kind of things. And frankly, part of the learning is how not to do it. Right. Yeah. So some of the history uh, kind of helps us frame that. Well, it sounds like we need the partner ops report, the storybook version, Kelly, you know. <laughs> Lots of pictures, please. <laughs> yeah, no, it's you're you're so right, and I feel like in 2023, uh, and you're actually part of the creator program out from LinkedIn as well, uh, right, Avnish? So I feel like there's going to be lots of people that will actually create conversations and and then launch them so that other people can learn from them. And actually, I think was it you or somebody did a survey? I think it was you that did a LinkedIn survey, which asked like, hey, how do you consume content? And like the traditional methods was no longer, were, were like so low rated, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly. So I, I did ask that question recently, you know, more part of curiosity, part of just to get a, get a bit of a fact base for what, you know, things we're doing now. And the question was, you know, where do people get information or insights Yep. Um, about the enterprise software, cloud, SaaS, et cetera. You know, pick, your, uh, pick your words. And the reaction was, hey, number one is actually LinkedIn and LinkedIn content. Yep. Uh, number two was podcasts and, and very close, actually, uh, one and two. 
And then a distant, distant number three was what I call the more traditional sources, right? So publications and traditional, uh, and of course I had to throw in Twitter and I think it got one vote. So, <laughs> and now it has so, negative one vote. Um, <laughs> so, somebody sent you an email saying, can I get the word back? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now we're in a place where, you know, these kind of sessions, content, uh, practitioners point of view, not just the talking heads. I think is how people are eager to to get yeah. uh, get more insights, get more you know more information. Yeah. So um, I would say a year and a half ago, I was sitting with a couple other go to market leaders, right? And I was saying, look, there is the concept of like full stack developers, but why isn't there the concept of full stack go to market professionals who are professionals that are really good at sales and appreciate marketing, or are really good at marketing? but also appreciate sales or really good at like customer success and helping people understand how to get a a person from like uh, uh, from a customer to an advocate. Right. But also really good at sales. It's like, like the disciplines have to come together to create, you know, the, the full stack go to market professional. And then that person is able to take a conversation to close to value. And these type of things that we're doing, I feel like are all bringing us to that point. Well, I think that's the idea behind like a chief customer officer, right? Is that they are supposed to provide that unifying lens. And we hear in the partnership community, people talking about the chief ecosystem officer or the chief partnership officer, but realistically that doesn't quite exist, right? Even less so than the chief customer officer. And I actually think that's a core challenge for the partnerships and ecosystem space, right? Is how do you get that unification? Because either you embed yourself in all these departments as like an appendage, or you somehow come in at the top as part of a unifying framework. That would be a different framework that we're used to, but we're not there yet. And and I think the survey results kind of showed, you know, even large organizations are struggling with tracking the full impact of partner ROI because it's, it's not unified currently. Right. And it's kind of all over the place, even as we're starting to recognize that entire journey that you just described can be impacted by partners and facilitated by partners, which goes back to how people are consuming information, not only about products, but learnings and frameworks, where are they getting it, right? They're not getting it from the vendor usually, or only in the sort of last mile are they getting it from the vendor. So let's move this to Avanesh. Do did partner ops exist before? I'm sure it exists in some flavor. Like, give us some of the history of the function and if there are some success stories or was it this painful the entire time? Like, tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, look, again, I will, let's go into the rollback time machine, right? Uh, when we started out the business part of the app exchange in uh, at Salesforce, it was you know, eons ago in 2009, kind of in a more formal way. And the person or the persons who work in the, you know, what was then the partner operations team there, I mean, they had, their tools were, and I'm not going to, I can't make this up, were a fax, literally. There were <laughs> spreadsheets, right? And order forms that came in handwritten on a document that basically was, you know, a a, uh, a formal request for uh, for for a deal. So this was 2009. So this is not last millennium. This is not last century. This is in like 13, 14 years ago. 
right? But the function existed, but the way we ended up having to structure that was we would throw people at it, right? We would add junior people, say, hey, create yet another spreadsheet, track this, you know, connect with why, update the Salesforce record to show which partner's involved and so on. Completely manual, um, frankly, a back office function, if I can call it that, not a strategy or a planning or a look forward function. It was basically at the end of the cycle, deals, you know, get the deals done, get the relationships in place, get the agreements in one, one place you can find them. And then on a continuous basis, really drive, drive these orders and so on. If you roll tape forward, um, there are, and I think that you guys picked this up in your, in the survey, you know, there is some more technologies for sure, right? There are different elements of, you know, some people deploying PRMs, some people are just deploying some of the uh, account mapping technologies like Reveal and Crossbeam and so on. That's good. I mean, that, again, there's innovation happening, but it's still not widespread. And the partner ops function itself is still somewhat, you know, trying to adapt practices from sales ops or from marketing ops, which again, by the way, marketing ops is also a relatively new function. Yep. But how, can, how do you kind of take insights and data and start looking forward and putting together a more structured approach to helping the business to, you know, to point both you and Kelly were making, which is, hey, this is part, it's not a silo. This has to be part of the, the whole, and it is part of how we go to markets, how we, how we serve, how we drive customer outcomes and customer success. So I think that level of thoughtfulness and sophistication, I've seen it in, the, in a very, very small number of places. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a long way to go. And do you have, like, let's say if you were to, because I'm sure you've seen this through your career, like when something starts as an idea, then there are specific steps that are taken to bring the idea to scale. Or is there any guidance or learnings that you can share from your, oh, I would say, by the way, like awesome track record in SaaS? <laughs> well, thank you. And and by the way, I, I did also work in demand base SG product yes. before you got there, right? So <laughs> totally. all these dots are connected and obviously I can't keep a job. I, I, um, I knew there was there was a reason why all the stars were connecting us because like HubSpot is a demand based customer, you were a demand based yeah. like I mean th this podcast was or this episode was meant to happen. For sure. Look, I, I think scale, it's easy to say, it's easy to put on a, on a spreadsheet. Look, this is what my business is going to look like in three years, five years, 10 years. That's the easy stuff, right? The hard stuff is, I think, twofold. One is um, it's change management, right? It's how do you get organizations to operate in a different way? And Kelly, you alluded to this, right? You've, you know, you'll have to change how sales operates, how customer success operates how, frankly, product operates because product needs to make decisions that impact the partners and ultimately the customers. That's the part I really enjoy about this, this kind of partnership ecosystem world is if to do it well and to do it at scale, you have to touch all those functions because if you don't, it's not going to work. I can, that, I can kind of guarantee from first-hand experience. That's number one. Number two, and again, this I think ties back to some of the, the things you guys uh, unearth in the surveys and so on. It's so common that one of the blockers, one of the most frequent, one of the top blockers, ends up being systems and processes. Why? Because, hey, I talked about change management, which is about, hey, 
how do you get people to work in a different way? But then you hit these barriers. You know, my current implementation of pick your poison CRM doesn't quite do that. So I have to accommodate, you know, how I work with partners to what my system limitations are. That's not how the world should work, right? So obviously HubSpot, we're doing a lot of things to enhance that. I mean, I know Salesforce is as well, but just as one example of category, you know, if the CRM processes are set up in a certain way that it doesn't have the right framework and a data model for, for engaging one more, one or more partners, you got to fix those things, right? So those are some of the lessons I've learned. I think one, change management, two, how to identify the systems and processes in such a way that from the get-go, you can adjust, adapt, enhance those, uh, add to those so that, you know, you can get to that scale. I would love to hear your advice um, on the change management because it was interesting when people were asked on the survey, what's blocking you? The first answer was the lack of internal expertise on partner ops, which actually makes sense to me. I think there's both a talent shortage of senior leadership um, because this is so new and the, and the technology that has made it possible, the APIs is so new, but also it's a function that still needs to be invented and matured. So I, th I think that that is part of the problem. But the second reason was an internal um, misalignment. And the third was executive buy-in, which I think both goes to the change management. And I thought there was some good advice from the contributors um, at different ecosystems on how you go about and do the change management. But I was wondering if you have sort of high-level advice on people who need to do that work in their organization and what some tactics they could deploy. Yeah. No, again, I was, uh, when I read those points, I was not surprised either. And I, I do think collectively uh, they do fall under uh, the change management framework or, or uh, moniker. Uh, one, look, I advise a bunch of companies and one of the first things I always say is, look, to make this work, it has to be, there has to be alignment in not just the C-suite, but even the board. Right? Because again, as we were saying earlier, it involves a lot of different functions. And if everybody doesn't understand the implication of this, to uh, the implication of building a partner ecosystem operating differently to their respective areas of, of control, then it'll fail. Right. So I think the, uh, the tactics um, that I've learned or uh, tried to deploy, one is really... Um, there's a lack of education, right? People have had perhaps experiences from the old school channel world, as you were saying earlier, right? And it's like, it's kind of this linear arm's length. They, you know, uh, they do one thing and one thing only. There is a, some kind of a discount structure in place and some rules of engagement, and then it's hands off. That's not the way it works anymore, right? So a lot of it is educating, you know, broadly the C-suite, often CROs, who come from a typically direct sales background and, you know, either haven't had to or haven't had the chance to, I should say, with the opportunity to work in more of a, uh, you know, partner rich or uh, even a, I dare say partner first model, which is starting to happen as well. So I think first and foremost is education and showing, and that's not just saying, hey, do it or do it, you know, do it this way. I think it's showing examples. I think it's telling telling stories, right? And that's why I've uh, the reason that in, in my podcast I've been bringing in practitioners 
is for them to expose, again, at scale, how did ServiceNow do it? How did HubSpot do it? How did Salesforce do it? What are the lessons learned? Where did we hit our head on the wall? I mean, I would not say it was all you know, seam- seamless and perfect. So how do we learn from people who've been down that path before? So I think that's number one, Kelly. Number two, I think there is an element of data that uh, historically was one of the biggest challenges in this category, which was attribution and you know trust in whether if someone from the partner organization came and told the CRO, the CEO, hey, partner X contributed you know in this form to this relationship. They helped us win the deal. Well, egos get involved and you get people saying that, wait, 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 no way, right? So how do you use, have you heard that before anywhere, anytime? Uh, so you mean then, everybody wants to take credit of the same deal? Yes. <laughs> multiple times over. You mean the salesperson yeah. only gets the commission if the partner sure. wasn't involved? <laughs> well, there yeah, we've never problem. heard any of this. <laughs> so I think that's uh, item number two is how do you build confidence in the data and confidence and trust that the, the actual what's being presented has been you know aligned, is vetted, the party on the other side is saying, you know, all parties, the partnership team, the sales team, the customer success team, the partner themselves, are they all saying the same, you know, the same thing, right? So that's number two. Uh, and then number three, and again, this is where things will continue to evolve. Um, but I think the more we can deploy uh, proper tools, right, to not bastardize other tools, but they can, you know, become more systematic, become more real time. It's not just a reporting function. It's a, hey, here's how the deal is progressing. Here's how the business is growing. Here's how the relationship with that partner is influencing uh, key accounts and so on. So I think there is, you know, more and more systems and tools like Pronto and others, I think will come into that, where you can say, hey, we are actually are managing this as part of the business. And it's not somewhere back in the, you know, in the back office just for reporting purposes. So I think those are some of the things that are important to do. Yeah, I, I would say the the one thing that you just said, which is super interesting for me because I was sitting with, let me say 45 or 47 uh, VPs of value engineering last night, right? At this event that Salesforce put on. And they also said the same thing. They said, for our function to succeed, we have actually now gone all the way to the board. And like in any of the conversations that we've had in the last, like I want to six, seven months or even a year, right? I have not heard specifically that like the partnerships function was actually elevated all the way to the board level so that there was visibility. And uh, and again, that's one of the reasons why like Kelly and I basically went down this path to create enablement around the partner ops report so people can take this content and then create slides that are executive oriented and then some slides are going to be more more individual contributor oriented but either way there's going to be a bunch of content now created from this asset that helps us all actually win together 100% 100% and by the way i think the tide is changing i hear less resistance i think there's more openness to it but the the show me factor still is high right and the more we can show through examples, through conversations, through exposing people who've been down the journey. And again, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? It's not all, never going to be all rosy, but hey, here's the issues we faced. 
then here's how we address them or here's you know one two or three approaches to to tackle those i think will will really change the game do you think the current economic um climate at a macro level is going to um sort of push back the progress that partnership has made because you know one problem you face when um you have executives and a board who are not already bought into this model is to look for what's immediately sourcing revenue, right? And things that take longer to ramp up, which is often partnerships, but also isn't currently being attributed in as robust a fashion as it could be, seems more vulnerable. But I'd be curious what your thoughts are on, on, on how much of a sort of threat that is to the progress that has been made, because I agree in the last two to three years, you've really seen it starts to appear in the in the dialogue more in other departments. I'm smirking because I have the exact opposite view. And I'm trying to evangel- evangelize that. And here's why. Look, are we in a recession? Who knows? Right? You know, different pieces of data point to different uh, answers to that. Are we going to go into one? Probably. Uh, without getting into the politics of it, um, I think this is actually a smart time for companies to say, hey, if I need to batten down the hatches and maybe not hire as much as I thought I might plan to and have fewer people in sales, sales engineering, customer success, et cetera, guess what? Building your partner ecosystem is a way to grow without incurring those fixed costs of you know additional people and so on. So your partners can actually give you leverage and the ratios start to work in your favor because now you have people who are helping top of funnel, middle of funnel, sales deals, customer success. So I'm, I'm actually of the belief that, in fact, a downturn is an amazing time to invest in the partner ecosystem. Agreed. I feel like we're going to have to have part two of this podcast, I think I definitely got a lot of value just from episode one. And I feel like you, all three of us can spend all day talking to each other. So maybe we'll have the all day podcast one day. But <laughs> closing the first episode out, right? Avinish, who are like, and this is like a very like, like in the moment question, right? Like who yeah. would be like three other people that you would recommend that we bring onto the podcast who are all at like, let's say your level, right? Because we need more guidance from people that have been there, done that at scale? Oof. Uh, look, what, one guy that I like a lot, and I think he's doing this, uh, has done this multiple times now, is Neil Wall. So Neil is Xbox, X yep. Workday, and now he recently joined Benchling. Yep. Um, and, 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 and I think he's got a very pragmatic view, is super well respected, uh, and I think would, would be someone to... Uh, you know, drive, drive a, I think it's a really, really interesting perspective. Um, second, there's a crew at Zero. Zero is XCRO, the uh, accounting company out of New Zealand. Their chief strategy officer, Damien Templin, is awesome. And I did have him on my podcast, but he's also, you know, he's, he's got a very thoughtful global view. And I do think uh, as a piece of recommendation, you know, getting perspectives from not just yep. U.S. centric companies and so on, um, I think is 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 really really important. Um, and then you know, probably someone like a Tyler Prince from Salesforce, yep. 
Blue's again grown that. I used to work for Tyler, and you know, Tyler's seen the SI side, has seen the, yep. the tech side. So again, depending on how you were, you're approaching the uh, the angles, I think someone who has a purview, you know, across the the different ranges of uh, types of companies and so on, or types of partners and so on, I think Tyler would be a great person to have on as well. Yeah. So Tyler actually approved. You know, at at Catalyst, we had a few passes for people that were able to make it on their own or through their companies, but they really needed mm -hmm. to go. And I think there was like half a dozen of them, maybe a dozen of those. Tyler actually approved the uh, those passes because it became like an issue where like, hey, is this Salesforce's point of view or what are we doing here, et cetera, et cetera. And Tyler <laughs> went actually out of his way to be like, we are doing this, you know? So, and then I met him yeah. at Dreamforce and I'm like, did you know what you just did? And he was just like, I had no idea, but this is fantastic. You got to talk more about this. So yes, I have yeah. a follow-up with him anyway. So this would be great to like, like yeah. uh, get him on the show. Oh, so I think he'd be, he'd be, yeah, he'd bring some really, and again, things have scaled dramatically there and the partner attaches. Is yeah. monstrous there. So I I almost thought that you would say Bob Rosin in there as well. Cause like Bob's was super instrumental at LinkedIn, right? And like he the, yeah. like I, I, I don't uh, not enough people know about him and his work, but he did some amazing B BD deals that just unlocked so much value for LinkedIn. And we should definitely get him on the show too. That's a great, great, yeah. I haven't seen I haven't talked to Bob in a while, but absolutely. I think that's a good other and by the way, if I think more about it, I can probably come back come come back with some more names as well yeah well, i sure no, did put you on the spot exactly. <laughs> that's okay that's why we say this is this is the podcast where we're just going to be open you know like we're not there's no sugarcoating no post-production this is it yeah. and I, I think i think uh people will get value out of out of this but all right kelly any closing thoughts i know we wanted to keep this in 30 minutes so they're digestible no great conversation thank you so much for coming on all right well, folks hey, thank you yeah. All right, folks, up until episode two, our commitment to you will we'll bring folks and then we'll actually research the topic. So we have like other things that are happening around partnerships, but maybe in go to market and worldviews that we bring to you. So until next time, see you in a bit. Thank you for listening to Unlearn. Subscribe wherever you listen and visit unlearnpodcast.com for the transcripts.